This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Goslin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners. Hey, Ron Borges. Yes, sir. You know what it means when Geico says just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more in car insurance? means I was on the phone 15 minutes ago collecting cash. S- smart man. You should have gone there to Geico.com 15 minutes ago just like Ron. So go. Our next guest was one of the most intense competitors ever to step onto an NFL field. I'm speaking, of course, of Mike Curtis, who was a four-time Pro Bowl middle linebacker with the Baltimore Colts and a guy who could be as ornery, well... <laughs> That's a mad dog. Just ask the drunken fan who thought it was a good idea to run out in the field and Memorial Stadium and steal a game ball. Or you could ask Hall of Famer Jim Brown because both suffered the same punishment. They got drilled when they crossed Mike's path. But so did Gail Sayers, Larry Zonka, O.J. Simpson, you name it. Because if you carried the football and tried to advance it against the Colts, you were Mike Curtis's enemy, and you paid the price. The three of us at the Talk of Fame Network grew up watching and admiring Mike as a football player. And we all wonder why his name has never come up for a Hall of Fame discussion. So we've invited him here to talk about it. And fortunately, we haven't had to pay the price. Not yet, anyway. Mike Curtis, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. I don't know. Um, I got all the answers for, the, for your questions <laughs> that will be appropriate. I don't know. Um, I never did too much dancing with the um, NFL's uh, voting group. But anyway. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Mike. Mike, speaking of that, you've been eligible for the Hall of Fame for 33 years now, but never been a finalist, and that puzzles us. You were a great player, played some great teams and great defense. So let me ask you this. Had the Colts won Super Bowl three against the Jets, do you think you'd already have a Boston can? Well, I think I would be get closer, put it that way. But um, our team that lost almost is better than the team that won. That's kind of hard to believe, but different strokes for different folks. <laughs> uh, well, Mike, uh, a good friend of mine is also a friend of yours, Upton Bell, and he always tells me that uh, Super Bowl three was like original sin. You couldn't, uh, no matter what you did, you couldn't uh, wash it away. You didn't seem, but you did win Super Bowl five two years later. Yeah. Did that victory over the Cowboys help at all get past that loss to the Jets? Um, I think what it did, it um, made um, they understood the seriousness of the game coming up. And playing the Jets uh, in the AFL, almost it's almost like um, some secondary thoughts about the team. They didn't know that wasn't as intense if they played Green Bay or or, or um, some of the other teams. Uh, they would have been much more uh, competitive, put it that way. We're speaking with former linebacker Mike Curtis on the Talk of Fame Network, and you can find us at talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at at talkoffamenet. And Mike, you played, of course, in a golden era of middle linebacking where you spent your first four or five years, I'm sorry, first five years in the NFL competing for Pro Bowl spots with guys like Dick Butkus, Ray Nitschke, and Tommy Nobis. And then the next six in the AFC against guys like Willie Lanier, Nick Bonacani, and Jack Lambert. How do you measure yourself against that level of competition? Well, for one thing, I played middle linebacker for a number of years, but I started out as an outside linebacker. So um, I just, all I did was to do what my coaches told me I needed to do. So um, I, I didn't, um, 
complain about whether how much better the t- guys were that I was playing against or anything else. I just had to do my job, and that's all I thought about, not so much who I was playing. Mike, you were a high draft pick of the Kansas City Chiefs in addition to the Colts in 1965, so, so you had the chance to play in the AFL then but opted for the NFL. What was your reaction when you learned the Colts would be one of the three teams that would leave the NFC for the AFC in 1970? Well, again, it's the political side, and that is out of my control. You know, Whether I thought that the AFL was, um, no matter what the status was of that, or the status of the NFL, my job was to play where they told me to play. That way. You know, as Goose mentioned, you tackle some of the greatest runners ever to carry a football. Jim Brown, who I always, yep. yeah, I grew up with, and will always think was the greatest runner ever. Jim Taylor, Gail Sayers, Zonka, and OJ, uh, all those great players. Uh, which one of those backs posed the greatest challenge to you? And uh, was it one of Sayers. any one of those guys you didn't want to play against? No, I play against all of them, but Sayers, I thought was the best, uh, the best physically and mentally for me to play against. Yeah, what was it about his game that that? Well, he could uh, he could change directions at full speed without having to come to a stop. Put it that way, Mike. I'll ask you the same. I'll ask you the same question about quarterbacks. I mean, you played against great quarterbacks. You certainly played with, which we consider the greatest quarterback of all time, John Unitas. But which quarterback, if if you had to take one for your team to play with, other than Johnny U, who would it be? Who was the guy who gave you the most trouble? You got any names? I can think. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, Star, um, uh, Brody, uh, Meredith. Um, star, Star. I would have played. Um, he was, uh, you might say, much more intense with his fellow um, teammates, and he probably trained them better than anybody. So you didn't know what was happening when you played them. So that's it. <laughs> okay. What about- and- Go ahead. Oh, I just want to ask him quickly. What about Unitas? Uh, you know, you played with him. He could be a gnarly, difficult kind of guy. People tell me. You know, we were watching him as fans and thinking, "Boy, that was the greatest guy we'd ever seen." What kind of a quarterback was he, and what kind of a teammate was he? Well, I think that I thought he was a great quarterback, but you know, if you look at the team he played on, the offensive line were there are a number of all pros in the offensive line. Then you had Barry or, you know, the other two receivers, you know, that were also would almost make the whole thing. So he had a hell of a quality material that he was thrown to. And the line blocked better than anything else they did. He was fortunate. I think he was fortunate. I think the town of Baltimore and just – they were just um, – had a great number of guys. Hey, Mike, and, and, you know, I, I want to ask you about uh, the end of your career. In 76, when the Colts left you unprotected sure. in the expansion draft, Seattle claimed sure. you. And, and then the Seahawks made you their first team captain in franchise history, which is pretty cool. But uh, i wondering yeah. how th- that experience was, leaving a, a perennial Super Bowl contender for a team that had never lined up to play a game before. How was that? Well, the, to me, it didn't make any difference uh, if I, who I played for, just as long as I played the best I could. You know, um, Baltimore um, was one thing, maybe the Redskins or something, and then and Seattle was something. So when they, um, you might say, when they traded me, that's all I needed to know because that's how I prepared for the new team. 
Mike, the following season, the 1977, you went from the youngest team in the NFL to one of the oldest when George Allen brought you to the Redskins. You played for two Hall right. of Fame coaches in your career, Don Shula and George Allen. How did each of those coaches bring out the best in Mike Curtis? Well, I think that Don Shula was, um, you might say, more of a type of coach. He he didn't – everybody had to toe the line. You didn't have some people that were doing things that were different than other people. George Allen, you might have – Sonny Jerkson doing something that the rest of the team couldn't do or something like that. <laughs> anyway, I, anyway, so I thought that uh, United, uh, that side of it was better. You know, one of the things, I see, as you know. Yeah, Don that, Shula. Don Shula, you know, anyway, go ahead. Sure, well, I was just going to say, one of the things that everyone remembers you for is, of course, the famous uh, tackle of the fan trying to steal the football or borrow it or whatever he thought he was doing. And we've seen it many times. When you see that film, do you still shake your head? about what was that guy thinking running around out there? No, well, I tell you, I didn't give any thought. What I didn't want is our team to be distracted because of something that was outside the game. So what I needed to do was, uh, I was a captain. I just needed to make sure that uh, we weren't distracted that it would affect our game. So that's the reason I wanted to, to um, counsel him. hey mike we're not going to counseling we got to go to commercial but uh, thanks so much for the time and best of luck with your hall of fame candidacy and you know what here's hoping the senior committee which ron and rick are part of can get your name out there sooner rather than later well thank you i appreciate it and if i do i'll just come and um buy you a beer (laughs) there we go we like that mike (laughs) that was former coast linebacker mike curtis up next overnight game changers of the week this is the talk of fame network This is Leroy Butler, and you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network.